0: This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM.
1: Hello there and thanks again for joining me once again. I'm Robbie Bergen and you're listening to The Faith Experiment and this is episode number 29. And I'm calling this episode, Trust. Now, in this episode, I have a great giveaway. It's a little book called What the Bible Says About. And this little book is going to answer a whole wide range of questions. It's divided into two sections, and these two sections are powerful little study aids. And you do not want to miss getting this free offer. So stick around to get the code word during the show. You're going to need to text that code word to the faith experiment number 04 888-453-11. So, take out your phone now and save this number in your phone so that when you get the code word, you're ready to text it in. So, here's the number once again. Save this number into your phone. It's 4 888 So, just wait for the code word during the show and you will get this free amazing resource. Now, if you joining me for the first time in The Faith Experiment… This show is all about putting faith into practice. It's about my own personal journey of faith and others that I have encountered. And so far on the show, I've been sharing with you my own personal journey of how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter. And we've just finished looking at another little mini-series of topics built around one particular question that I got over and over and over again on The Faith Experiment, which was, how do you study the Bible? And I share with you my background and my tips on how to enhance your study of these ancient manuscripts. Well, I love to hear from you on The Faith Experiment, and I would love to hear from you today. I'd love to know where you're listening from. So let me know by texting me on 04888 Or email me on Robbie at faithfm.com.au Now, in today's episode, I'm starting kind of a new series. You see, since I started The Faith Experiment, I have been inviting you to text me in your questions, your comments, and your feedback. And I have been absolutely overwhelmed with how many of you have taken the time to connect with me and to send in your questions. I have received so many questions through text message, through email, through Facebook And so I have compiled all of these questions, every single one of them, and I have got a list that is so long that I decided I'm going to do a series answering Bible questions that have come from my listeners here on The Faith Experiment. And I want to give you a sample of what some of these questions sound like. Here they are. What happens to babies when they die? Do they go to heaven or do they wait for a resurrection? It's a good question. Here's another question. Why does God call Jesus his son? And why does Jesus call God his father? I think that's a fantastic question. So I've got that one listed here. Here's another one. How can we be sure that the Bible is actually God's word? Or what is the best way to study the Bible for personal devotional times? Here's a really common question I get. Where is hell? Very good question. Another one. How do we know with certainty what is God's will for our lives? I tell you what, if I had a dollar for every time I had that question from somebody, I would be a very, very rich person. It's a good question. Here's another question. When will Jesus return? Or how can I be born again? How can I overcome an addiction? What is Jesus doing now? That is such a fantastic question because, you know, as Christians, you always hear about what Jesus did. He lived, he died, and he resurrected, and he ascended, and then the next thing we talk about is he will come back again. But what has he been doing in heaven since then? Or is he even in heaven? Good question. Here's another question. Why does the Bible say that God is a jealous God? Isn't being jealous bad? I like that question as well. Here's another one. How can a loving God send people to hell? Now, here's a question that's more related to the times in which we're living in. It says, what is the mark of the beast? Do you think it is a COVID vaccine? (laughs) That's a good question. How about this one? Is there a connection between COVID and the end of the world? More questions. When will the Bible millennium in Revelation begin? Here's one that one person asked me recently. He said, why do you keep the Sabbath? Wasn't it done away with at the cross? Here's another question. Can you explain what is the judgment in the Bible? Is the secret rapture in the Bible? What's the purpose of tithe in the Bible? Should I be giving tithe today? Here's a really interesting one. Is China in the Bible prophecy, and does it end up controlling the world? Well, that's a really good question, especially what's happening with China right now. Many people are asking questions. What about China? Where's China? Here's another one. When do you think Armageddon will happen? Now, Armageddon, if you don't know what that is, that is a uh, term used in both the Old and New Testament, but specifically in Revelation, it talks about a battle of Armageddon. And the question here is, when do you think it will happen? Here's another one. I have been christened, Is that the same as being baptized? Good question. Another good question. What do you think is the Antichrist? Well, I have a good answer for that from the Bible. Not what I think, but what the Bible says. Here's another question. Is the United States in Bible prophecy? I think it is. Do you agree? Okay, good question again. Here's another one. I have heard the expression, the three angels' messages, but I have no idea what it means. Can you please explain? Wow. That is a, a, a favorite topic of mine. It's based in Revelation chapter 14. Here's another question. And this is a very, very common question I get, especially coming from an atheist background. The question goes like this. It says, if God is so good, then why is the world so bad? If I, again, had a dollar for every time I had that question, I'd be a very rich person. Because that's one question that most people, whether they're religious or non-religious, they have this question. If you think there is a God, then why is this world so bad? It's an excellent question. Here's another one. I'm interested in the time prophecies, but they're confusing. Can you explain how do you know how they are meant to be calculated? Well, this is a really important question because a lot of prophecies in the Bible, not all of them, but there are some that are very much connected to time calculations. And it can be confusing, but the Bible does give us very simple answers. So, we'll look at this question. Here's another question. Why did God let Abraham's descendants go into slavery? Now, I tell you, you guys are really thinking out there. The questions that I'm getting here are, Are really good. I love these questions. Here's another good question: Does it matter if you worship God on Saturday or Sunday? Hmm. Well, if you look in the Christian world today, you'll definitely see two types of uh, days of worship being observed. And it's a good question: Does it matter which day, Saturday or Sunday? Here's another good question: What are generational curses? Do they still exist? If so. How do families break them? Here's another question. It says, I have heard that the Bible gives us information about what we should and should not eat. What does it say? The Bible has a lot of information on various aspects of life, and one of them is, in fact, health. And so that's an excellent question as well. Here's another one. The Bible teaches that we should not make graven images. I have a friend that won't watch movies with Jesus in them because of this commandment. What do you think? And here's another question. It says, Robbie, can you explain more why there are so many different denominations? I liked how in your story you used a matrix and you used data to make your decision. But could you share more about what you found? Thanks. Now, these are just a few of the questions, some of the ones that really stand out to me that have been coming in for the past 10 months or so since I started the faith experiment right here on Faith FM. And I just want to say that you guys are amazing to all of you faith experimenters out there. Thank you so much for your support and your engagement on this show the show would not be what it is without you. I really think our faith experiment community is one of the most engaged communities out there in radio land. So, keep it up. Keep sharing the show with your friends and your family. Help me get the word out there. Get your friends connecting with the show. Get your family connecting with the show. And let me know. Actually, let me know how you're sharing the show. Some of you have texted in. I've heard some really interesting ways, but I'd love to hear your way. So, keep your feedback coming in this show is based on you your feedback your questions your comments so keep it coming in you can text me on the faith experiment number oh four triple eight four five three double one or email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au so over the next few episodes i'm going to take your questions these questions as many questions as i can and i'm going to dig into these ancient hebrew and greek manuscripts and find the answers to these questions And now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of these questions and I'm going to group them by topic and theme, and we'll try and answer a bunch of them that share the same idea or topic on a single episode. So, I hope that kind of makes sense. Now, if you have missed any of the previous episodes and you want to catch up on some of the details, you can get the Faith FM app from your app store, or you can go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcasting section for The Faith Experiment. You can also find The Faith Experiment on all good podcasting platforms, making it easy for you to keep up to date with every single episode of The Faith Experiment. Also, for those of you who have asked about following me on social media, if you want to follow or connect with me, here's my handle. It's really simple. It's my name. It's Robbie Bergen. All one word, no spaces. I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Twitter. So just search for Robbie Bergen and you can subscribe or follow whatever your platform does and you're going to keep up with everything I am doing on The Faith Experiment. So with that being said, it's time to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to jump straight into our new series looking at your questions. So stick around. After break, we're going to look at some questions around the issue of trust and how can we trust that the Bible is actually God's Word. And coming up is to the code for today's giveaway, so stick around.
0: You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 048888. 45311. That's 04888 45311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au. The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM Listen live or listen later Get the Faith FM app from your app store today
1: Welcome back to The Faith Experiment I'm your host Robbie Bergen And this is episode 29 of The Faith Experiment I'm calling this episode, Trust And Coming up is the code word for today's free offer So make sure you stick around Now, on this episode, I'm answering questions ...that you've been sending in to me over the past few months. I've got them listed down here and what I'm going to do is group these questions by theme. And on this episode, we're going to look at the questions built around the question of trust. You see, I've got questions like, what is the mark of the beast? Do you think it's the COVID vaccine? And what happens when babies die? And where is hell? And when will Jesus return? And how can I be born again? And how can I overcome addictions? Is there a connection between COVID and the end of the world? And I've got questions like, how can a loving God send people to hell? And what is Jesus doing right now? Well, you see, for us to look at any of these questions, I think we first need to establish a baseline, and the baseline is the issue of trust. Now, I have one question here from Eva who asked this question, How can you be sure the Bible is actually trustworthy? I mean, can we even trust that the Bible is God's actual word? Now, this is such a good question, and this is where I want to start this little series. You see, Eva's question is so important because in our faith experiment, If we can't answer this question, if we don't have good evidence for this question, then everything else, every other question is going to be speculation. It's just going to be an opinion. And to be honest, it's all going to be a bit of a waste of time. So let's start with this question. How can we trust that the Bible is God's word? Is there any evidence for it? Well, to answer this question, we're going to examine evidence from a number of key areas. First, we're going to look at what the Bible actually claims about itself first. That's the first thing. Then we're going to look at the evidence from a prophecy point of view to support its claims. Then we're going to look at the evidence from a scientific point of view. Uh Then we're going to look at the evidence from an archaeological point of view, followed by evidence from a historical point of view. And then we'll look at the evidence from a mathematical point of view. And then finally, what we're going to do on the episode is we're going to look at the actual evidence from actual experimentation with the Bible and its claims. So, let's get started. What does the Bible actually claim about itself? Well, there are actually a number of texts in both the Hebrew and the Greek manuscripts that make certain claims. Let's look at a few of them. The Bible says in the Greek New Testament book of 2 Timothy, Chapter 3, verse 16, we looked at this passage a number of times in the faith experiment, but here it is again. It says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So the text is claiming that the Bible comes from God. The word inspiration means God breathed, God breathed it. Then if we look at the New Testament book of Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 21, it says that prophecy, or the inspiration, never came by the will of men, But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then we read it in John chapter 10, verse 35. It says that the scripture cannot be broken. You see, the Bible claims to be inspired. That's its foundational starting point. It claims to be inspired. It claims that it was written by men who were guided by God. And these revelations that make up the scriptures, the scriptures claim that they cannot be broken. Another way to put that is that they cannot be proven to be untrue. This is a bold claim, right? So, right off the bat, the Bible claims to be the word of God. It claims to be true, and it claims that it cannot be broken. Now, Jesus also demonstrated this confidence in the scripture. He said, You can read it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He said this. He said, it is written, referring to the Old Testament, man shall not live by bread alone. Then he says, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. It is written again, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then in John chapter 17, verse 17, he said, sanctify, which means to make holy. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus quotes the scriptures when he encounters the temptations of Satan. He also states that the Bible is God's truth. And Jesus often quoted the scripture as the authority for the truth he was teaching. So from Jesus and the prophets, the Bible's claim is that it's not only the word of God, but it cannot be broken or proved untrue. And that, that is a bold claim. There's no other book that I have ever read in any other religion that makes this kind of bold claim. But the question is, what's the evidence for it? It's easy to make a claim, but how do you prove it? Well, let's start by looking at the first viewpoint. The first viewpoint we'll look at is the viewpoint of prophecy. The Bible says in the Old Testament Hebrew book of Isaiah, in chapter 42, verse 8, it says, I am the Lord. New things I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. And then continuing in chapter 46, verse 9, God says, I am God, and I will declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. The Bible claims that God is the ultimate author, the ultimate author of these texts. And that through bubble prophecy, he's going to tell us the things that will happen in the future. And when we see those things happen exactly as they were predicted, that means that's our proof that God is in fact God. That's the proof, that's the evidence that he is the only God and that the texts are in fact from him. Now, let's have a look at some examples of Prophecies in the Bible, really quick. The first one comes from the book of Daniel. Daniel's full of prophecy, but in chapter 2, 7, and 8, it makes a claim that the kingdom of Babylon will fall and be replaced by three successive world empires. It even names them as Medo Persia, Greece, and Rome. It tells us of a sequence after Babylon, it tells us of characteristics of the three that will succeed Babylon. It even describes that Greece will have a leader, a great leader, and that great leader will be struck down. And when he's struck down, he'll be replaced with four leaders lesser than himself that will sort of lead Greece until it's conquered by the fourth power, which is Rome. Now, all of this was given hundreds of years before any of these tribes even existed. Now, remember the The Bible claims that God inspired it, and prophecy is the test that God is, in fact, God. Here's another example of prophecy. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, verse 1 to 3, the Bible mentions a man called Cyrus. And it says that Cyrus is the one who will conquer Babylon. Now, what's remarkable about this is that Isaiah wrote this 150 years before there was a baby born called Cyrus, And this Cyrus who was born, he would grow up, he would invade and conquer Babylon exactly as it was prophesied. Here's another one. In the book of Isaiah and the book of Jeremiah, a prophecy is given that after Babylon's destroyed, it would never be inhabited again. Now, this was the greatest city in the world at the time. People probably would have laughed at this prediction. I mean, this is like saying that Sydney will be destroyed by a guy called Bruce and it will never, ever be Populated again. I mean, who in their right mind would believe that? Well, do you know where Babylon is today? Babylon is a piece of uninhabited desert in Iraq. And do you know how many people live there today? Mm, None. Now, there are more and more examples of Bible prophecies that have been given. And all of these prophecies are impossible for humans to have written down before these events happened and had them fulfill exactly the way they were written. And remember the Bible's claim, if the things happen exactly as they were supposed to happen, it proves that I am God. But we're running out of time, so let's keep moving on with Eva's question. How can we be sure that the Bible is actually trustworthy? Now, let's look at the evidence from a science point of view. Here are a few claims that the Bible makes about things in the scientific world, which at the time, humans had no way of verifying. But with the advent of modern science, we've been able to confirm them. The first is, earth is free-floating in space. In the Old Testament book of Job, in chapter 26, verse 7, which was written three and a half thousand years ago, the Bible says that God stretches out the north over empty space and he hangs the earth on nothing. The Bible claims three and a half thousand years ago that the earth floats in space. Now, at the same time, most other cultures thought that the earth sat on the back of a large animal. Now, obviously, science has since confirmed that the earth is, in fact, floating exactly as the Bible claimed. Here's another one. The earth is round. In Isaiah 40, verse 22, written about 2,800 years ago, it says that he who sits above the circle of the earth. The Bible taught for almost 3,000 years that the earth is round, even though it was once believed that the earth was not a circle. Here's another one. The science of oceanography. In Psalm 8, verse 8, it says that the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. Humans used to think that the sea was just one huge mass of water, and how could it have paths? Well, we discovered the existence of ocean currents in 1850 by a guy named Matthew Henry, who is considered to be the father of oceanography. Now, he noticed this expression in the Bible, and he took God at his word, and he went looking for these paths, and his book on oceanography is still in print today. And one last one, since we're living in the post-COVID-19 world, this one has to do with the laws of quarantine. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verse 46, written about 3,500 years ago, it says, All the days of his sore shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You see, long before medical science discovered the importance of quarantining people with infectious diseases, the Bible instructed it. And in 1490 BC, the Bible tells us what to do if someone had a condition like leprosy. The laws of quarantine were not discovered until the 17th century AD by modern man. So we've seen that the Bible makes a claim. It claims that it's God's word. It's the basis of truth. It cannot be broken or proven untrue. Now, in the faith experiment, we've looked at the evidence for this claim from a prophecy point of view. And we've seen the evidence from a science point of view. And coming up, we're going to look at the evidence from an archaeological, historical, and mathematical point of view. Let's we'll take a short break now, but when I come back, we're going to continue looking at this question of the topic of trust. Can we trust that the Bible is actually God's word? And coming up is today's code word for today's giveaway. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment
0: you're listening to the faith experiment with robbie bergen right across australia right here on faith fm
1: welcome back to the faith experiment i'm your host roy bergen and this is episode 29 of the faith experiment i'm calling this episode trust and coming up is the code word for today's free offer so stick around now on this episode we're answering eva's question which is how can you be sure that the bible is actually trustworthy i mean Can we even trust that the Bible is God's actual word? And this is a great question because we need to be sure that we have evidence that the Bible is in fact God's word. Otherwise, this whole faith experiment falls over pretty quickly. So before the break, we looked at what the Bible actually claims about itself. And we found that it has no problem claiming to be truth or the word of God, a direct revelation from God. And it claims it cannot be broken. So then we next looked at the evidence to support these claims. We looked at a prophetic evidence. The Bible claims that prophecy, when it comes true the way it's been described in the Bible, proves that it comes from a supernatural source. Then we looked at the evidence from a scientific point of view. We found that thousands of years before modern science made some discoveries, the Bible already made profound claims That had been verified by modern science, even though at the time it would be impossible to know the things that the Bible wrote. Now, all of this just keeps adding to the evidence that the Bible had some supernatural foresight to some of these things of stated, whether it be prophecy or whether it be science. Now we're going to look at the evidence that the Bible is in fact a revelation from a supernatural being from an archaeological point of view. Now, one of the most famous archaeologists, W.F. Albright, he wrote this. He wrote, In the center of history stands the Bible. Thanks to modern research, we can now recognize the Bible's historical accuracy. To sum it up, we can treat the Bible from beginning to end as an authentic document of religious history. Why does he say this? Well, there have been a number of archaeological discoveries that have been made that have confirmed the truthfulness of the biblical account, even though for years critics have claimed that the Bible was a bunch of made-up stories. Certain tribes and places, events, and even kings just simply didn't exist because there was no evidence for them outside of the Bible. But Time and time again, archaeology has proven the critics wrong and that the Bible accounts were right. Again, pointing to the fact that this book is in fact of a supernatural source. Here's some examples. Many of the accounts from the book of Genesis have dealt with the Hebrews' interaction with the Egyptians. We all are familiar with the Red Sea crossing and the... Egyptian slavery and throwing the babies into the Nile. We all know those stories. But many critics have argued that these events were completely fictitious. They were made up because there has been no accounts in the Egyptian history that matched the Hebrew accounts. But all that changed in 1799 when a discovery was made in Egypt by Napoleon scientists. They found a stone which contained three languages written on it. There was a language of hieroglyphics a language of Demotic, and a language of Greek. Now, at this point in history, in 1799, nobody could read hieroglyphics. And so, to have this stone, which had all three languages side by side, was the first time in recent history that archaeologists had a chance to decode hieroglyphics, because the three languages were saying the same thing, but in these three different languages. Now, this stone is named the Rosetta Stone. And it took a number of years for the archaeologists and the linguistic experts to try and decode this. But they finally did it. And archaeologists were able to unlock the mystery of the hieroglyphs. And this allowed historians to open up all the records of the Egyptian civilization. And guess what they found? Time and time and time again, they found in the hieroglyphs, parallel accounts of what the Bible contained about the interactions between the Egyptians and the Hebrews, proving the accounts of the Hebrew text were actually accurate, and disproved all of the critics. Another discovery that vindicated the Bible account was the discovery of the Moabite stone. It was discovered in 1868 in Jordan, and this stone confirmed, as the name suggests, the Moabites and the attack on Israel. You see, on this stone, the Moabite king describes his attack on Israel exactly the same way as it's depicted in the book of 2 Kings chapter 1 and chapter 3. You see, before this discovery, the critics said that there was zero evidence for the Moabites outside of the biblical account. I mean, there was no city, there was no stone, there was no idol, there was no coin, there was no sword, there was nothing. They said that if the Bible made that up, how can you trust the rest of the Bible? But with the discovery of this stone, it changed everything. These people did exist, even though the only record of them was in the Bible for more than 3,000 years until this stone was discovered. Another discovery was what we call the Cyrus cylinder. It's a cylinder of stone with inscriptions recording Cyrus's overthrow of Babylon and the deliverance of the Jewish captives. Now, before this cylinder was discovered, the only record of this event was found in the Hebrew Old Testament. But again, because there was no other source of these stories, the critics said that the Bible was wrong and that the accounts were all sort of fictitious and made up. But with the discovery of the cylinder, all that changed again. The Bible was once again vindicated. All these discoveries proved that the Bible was an authentic record. It was trustworthy, even though it was the only witness for thousands of years of these events. You see, all the critics claim that because there was no evidence outside the Bible, these things were made up. Things like the kings, the tribes, the places, the attacks. And that was proof the whole thing was fictitious, which means, logically speaking, if it gets history wrong, then how can it be a direct revelation from God? But with each of these discoveries, one by one, the objections were broken down, but one still remained. How can we be sure that the texts we have today were actually written before these events took place? And how can we be sure that the texts haven't changed over the centuries? Well, this is where perhaps the most famous discovery comes in, the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were discovered in 1948. These scrolls date back to 200 to 150 BC, and these scrolls contain portions or complete scrolls of every book in the Bible except one. Now, more than half a century has passed since their discovery, and with 50 years of study by the world's best linguists, it's been confirmed that the process of the old world in copying these manuscripts has been meticulously preserved throughout thousands of years. What does that mean? It means that the Bible we have today contains the exact same words, the same message, and the same original meaning as the original manuscripts did. Absolutely incredible. Now, if we look at the historical evidence of biblical accuracy, we find that the Bible's historical statements are accurate time and time again. The pattern seems to be that what God says in the book is true. Sometimes, there is a period of time where there is no other evidence outside of the Bible to support its claims. But time and time again, every piece of new evidence that has been discovered, it always confirms it never contradicts what the Bible has said. Here's some examples. For years, skeptics said the Bible is unreliable liable because it mentions a nation called the Hittites. It talks about a place called Nineveh and a place called Sodom. And the critics deny that these places even existed. But again, modern archaeology confirmed the history that these places did exist. Here's another one. Critics said the Bible mentions a king called Belshazzar, and he never existed. But once again, they found a clay tablet which has Belshazzar's name on it, and it confirmed it. Skeptics also claim that the record of Moses wasn't reliable because it mentions writing and wheeled vehicles, neither of which was thought to exist at the time that Moses wrote. But today, we now know better. They did exist. So what does all this mean? Well, like the prophecies, like the scientific statements, the archaeological evidence all suggests that the claims of the Bible is a revelation from a supernatural being. And the evidence just keeps building and building. But we're not done yet. We're going to look at the evidence from a mathematical point of view. Dr. Peter Stoner, the chairman of departments of mathematics, astronomy, and engineering at Pasadena College in California, he worked with 600 students for several years applying the principles of probability to prophecies of the Messiah's coming. He chose eight of the 125 prophecies about Messiah's coming. And they worked out the probability of one man in one lifetime fulfilling eight of the 125 prophecies. They worked out that it was one in one decillion. What's a decillion, you say? A decillion is the number one with 33 zeros after it. Now, to put that in context, your chances of winning Oz Lotto are one in 45 million which means you have a better chance of winning Oslotto every year of your life than you would have finding one person on earth who fulfilled eight of the more than 125 prophecies regarding the coming Messiah. So we have seen that the Bible's claim is that it is the word of God. It claims that it's the basis of truth. It cannot be broken or proven to be untrue. Now, in this faith experiment, we first looked at the evidence for this claim from a prophecy point of view. And we've seen it from the evidence from a scientific point of view. And we've looked at the evidence from an archaeological, historical, and now from a mathematical point of view. As you put all the evidence out on the table, so to speak, it becomes almost overwhelming. You see, this book seems to have very supernatural attributes and characteristics. Well, time to take a short break again. But when we come back, I'm going to continue looking at your questions on this topic of trust. How can we trust that the Bible is actually God's Word? And coming up is the code word for today's giveaway. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment.
0: If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.
2: I can feel when my mind starts to creep into doubt On the days when the strength in my heart's given out, there's a light, but it hides from me deep in the cloud. There's a voice that I need, but I don't hear a sound. If it- Getting out of all my unbelief, Father, even in my song, will be. I know you will always carry me. It's an your promise to play on repeat in my head when you meet my anxiety
0: The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM.
1: Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 29 of The Faith Experiment. I'm calling this episode, Trust. And coming up shortly is the code word for today's free giveaway. So stick around. Now, in this episode, we are answering Eva's question, which is, how can you be sure that the Bible is actually trustworthy? I mean, how can you trust that it is God's actual word? And as I've said, this is a great question because we need to be sure we have evidence that the Bible is in fact God's word. Otherwise, this whole faith experiment falls over very, very quickly. So before the break, we first looked at the Bible's actual claims about itself. And we found that the Bible has no problem claiming to be the truth the word of God, a direct revelation from God. It claims it cannot be broken. And then we next looked at the evidence to support these claims. We looked at the prophetic evidence and found that God claims that you will have proof that he is God and the only God if the things he says about the future come to pass exactly as he said they would. And by looking at just a few examples, the Bible is remarkably accurate. In fact, it's been a 100% accurate so far. Then we looked at some scientific evidence. We found that thousands of years before modern medicine made any discoveries, the Bible already made profound claims that had been verified by modern science. And then we looked to archaeology and found that for hundreds of years, the skeptics said that much of the Bible accounts and places and tribes and people and kings and events only existed in the Bible itself. And this was supposed to be proof that the Bible is not accurate. And if it couldn't even get these simple everyday details right, then how can you believe or trust the rest of it? But with each new discovery, more and more of these objections have been silenced. And like W.F. Albright said, the Bible is at the center of accurate religious history. We then looked at some of the mathematical evidence and found that we have more chance of winning Oslotto every single year of our lives than for one person to fulfill just eight of the more than 125 prophecies regarding the Messiah. And so far, all of this points to the fact that this is no normal book. Either this is a hoax, the world's greatest trick on humanity, or this in fact is a supernatural book. Now, lastly, to answer Eva's question, we're going to look at the evidence that the Bible is in fact a revelation from a supernatural being from the actual experimentation with the Bible and its claims. So, what do I mean by this? Well, all the evidence we've looked at so far has been very much facts and figures. And you can argue, I think, very compellingly with just the facts and figures that this is a book worth considering. It's a supernatural book. And that this is, in fact, a revelation from God to the human race. But for me, this is lacking the experimental aspect you see, I want to get the pedal to the metal, so to speak. And if you're like me, you'll want to see evidence in this faith experiment. And so I present to you as the last viewpoint to Eva's question. How can you be sure that the Bible is actually God's word? I present to you the viewpoint of the changed life. You see, if you've been following me on the faith experiment for some time now, you'll know that my faith experiment began after I examined the facts and the figures. It started once I put the teachings of the old manuscripts, into practice. And I share with you on, I think it was episode 18, that the purpose of the Bible is ultimately to transform us into men and women of God who have been completely changed and equipped with his good works. You see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, the changed lives of those who follow Jesus and obey the scripture, that constitutes the most powerful proof that the Bible is actually what it says it is. The living, breathing word of God. You see, the power of this book is that it can make a drunk sober. It can make any moral person pure. It can take an addict and set them free. It can take a fearful person and make them courageous. It can take the rude person and make them kind. This is the greatest evidence that this book is, in fact, the Word of God, because it can change lives that couldn't be changed. You just need to go back and listen to my story, the first 18 episodes of The Faith Experiment, and listen to the power that this book had in my own life, the fact that my father got freedom from drugs, is evidence that this book is supernatural. He had tried every other method and failed. My sister, she overcame depression, drugs, and alcohol because of the power of this book. You see, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23, it says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or can the leopard change his spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to doing evil. What's the Bible mean by this? It means you can try and change, and you might have some success, but it won't last. It never does without the help that this book can bring. I could share with you story after story of people who have found power in this book. In fact, I'd love to hear your story. Do you have a story of how this book has changed your life with supernatural power? If you have, text through to me, 0488845311 or email me on at robbyatfaithfm.com.au. I'd love to hear your story. But I can share with you story after story of how this book has changed lives. I could share with you the story of Janice from Coffs how this book brought her peace and gave her hope when she had no hope. Or I could share with you Peter's story from Hamilton, who found power to overcome addiction in his life from this book. Or I could tell you about George from Hobart who found meaning and purpose in his life because of this book. Or I could tell you about Eric from Devonport who found power to overcome. I could share with you story after story after story of how this book has changed lives. But the reality is the only way you are going to know is if you try this book for yourself. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 34 verse 18, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, you need to try it for yourself. You need to experiment with it for yourself. That's why this is a faith experiment. It's no good just listening to Robbie or listening to George or listening to Peter or listening to any of these people. You need to try it for yourself. If you'd like to get in touch with someone in your local area who can help you put this whole faith thing to the test, and get in touch with me. I can connect you with somebody local to you who can help you with that next step. If you feel like you want to, then text the code word STEP, S-T-E-P. Text that code word to 45311. That's STEP to 45311. And I'll help you. I'll help you connect with somebody who can locally get you started on this faith experiment thing. So, Eva, your question, how can we be sure that the Bible is in fact God's word? I think there is a lot of evidence in all those different viewpoints that we talked about that all suggest that this book is supernatural. But Eva, and anybody else listening out there, I want to leave you with that thought again. Put the book into practice. Experiment with it. And see how it has power to change you where you thought you couldn't change. And that is the greatest proof that this book is in fact God's Word. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a great book to give away today. It's called What the Bible Says About. This little book contains two really powerful aids for you. One is Bible study, and one is Bible markings. This is a must to have. And if you would like to get this book, all you need to do is text the code word fe 29 fe 29 to the faith experiment number 048-45311. That's o four triple eight four five three double one, and the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply to you asking you for some details, and we'll get this book out to you as soon as possible. So text the code word hash fe twenty nine. That's the hash symbol or the pound key, followed by the letters fe, as in Faith Experiment, and the number twenty nine for episode twenty nine. So hash fe twenty nine, no spaces, one word. Text that to 0488845311 and we'll get this fantastic free book out to you as soon as possible. Now, next time on The Faith Experiment, we're going to look at a series of questions about prophecy. So make sure you tune in for that one. Now it's time for this week's inbox. I haven't done it for a while, but I have got so much popping out of the inbox, I thought I should start sharing it once again. This is where I browse through the inbox and share with you Your comments, feedback, and questions. Here's an email from Dale. It says, Hi, Robbie. Thanks for sharing your journey from a non-believer to a faith experiment. Thank you very much, Dale. Appreciate the feedback. Here's a text from Vivian who says, I'm listening from Ballina North in New South Wales. Well, hello there to Ballina North. I, uh, I've i been to Ballina. I really like that area. It's a beautiful part of the country. I'm glad you're tuning in. Here's an email from Rosaletta who says, Hello, Robbie. I have been listening to the faith experiment and I'm finding it very interesting. I have some questions around the Sabbath. Well, thank you very much, Rosaletta. I have those questions noted and we will pick them up on a future episode. Here's an email from Stuart. He says, Hi Robbie, I am loving the new series on reading the Bible effectively. Thank you very much, Stuart. I really hope that uh, it's helping you grow in your own faith experiment. Here's a text from Katie who says, Blessings to you, Robbie. Thank you so much for sharing the faith experiment with us. What a blessing. Well, blessings to you too, Katie. Thank you for tuning in. And here's a text from David who says, Hi, Robbie. Thank you for your faith experiment series. Praise God for your testimony, knowledge and insight that you have been sharing. I love the podcast today on how the 66 books of the Bible came about. Well, thank you very much, David. I'm glad you appreciate it. And if you haven't heard the series on the Bible and how to study it, go back and Look on previous episodes of the faith experiment and here's one last text from carmen who says thank you robbie i've been listening to your podcast since last week when a friend shared the link i cannot stop what an incredible journey and how beautifully the lord impressed you to share it with teachings alongside well thank you very much carmen i'm glad you're enjoying it and that's a great reminder carmen please get out there and share the faith experiment with your friends your family you never know how it's going to impact their own lives well, thank you all very much for your feedback. I really do appreciate it. You can text me your comments and feedback on 488 or you can email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au. Well, that's all for now. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then.
0: You have been listening to the Faith Experiment with Robbie Birkin. Connect with us via text message on O four That's O four triple eight four five three double one. Or send an email to Robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode.